everybody. Welcome to our new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We are excited tonight to do another one of our video review episodes, um, which just basically means it's it's a quote-unquote new movie. It's just that it's not new in theaters. It's newer to uh, being on Blu-ray, video on demand, and all those types of things. And so tonight we're doing that review of Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, this is a movie that Dakota and I both miss seeing in theaters. Yes, unfortunately, it wasn't at our local theater for very long. It came really short, and it came during a time where both of us just kind of missed that window. And so uh, it was one, though, that was always kind of on my radar for probably the past, for sure, a year. It's been on my radar of, like, I heard this is coming out. I was familiar with the story of Desmond Dawes. I'd seen a documentary back in the day where they just interviewed Dawes, and he just seemed like this incredibly humble guy who didn't even seem like what he did was that big of a deal, <laughs> which I always thought was interesting. Um, and so I was excited yeah. to see what they were going to do with the movie. And then I was even more intrigued when Mel Gibson came on board to uh, direct, which it's just like, you just never know what Mel Gibson is going to do. <laughs> it's really so that sounded because everybody thinks he's kind of crazy. What I mean is you just never know what he's going to do is like, vision visionary wise he just always has i don't know he's an he's an interesting director he's always able to bring a look to a movie where he brings it from an angle that no one else seems to do yeah um one thing that was unfortunate about the advertising of this movie um they marketed it as from the director of Braveheart, not as a Mel Gibson film. Yeah, you know, and I thought that was interesting. It never became a Mel Gibson film. Until it came out and everyone was blown away. Until everybody was okay with it being a good movie. And then yeah. once everybody goes, oh, that movie's pretty good. All of a sudden it was like, Mel Gibson! <laughs> Mel Gibson did this! <laughs> but yeah, before that it was like director of Braveheart and... and yeah, pretty was, much just Braveheart. They never yeah. brought a Passion of the Christ, I guess, but... Yeah, except Stephen Colbert. Last. It was like one of the greatest movies of all time. We have its director here tonight. Which, I mean, if if that's your favorite movie, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, to Stephen, he wasn't joking. He actually... Yeah, he's a huge fan of that movie. Of what, Passion of the Christ? Yes. Well, it is, I mean... He is Catholic, come on. Oh, I always forget that Colbert is Catholic, yeah. I mean... He pulled it off in in a way that I think was different because he... He made a movie where I think as far as how that movie looked and felt was a lot more realistic to the time. It wasn't so like floaty, ethereal as so many Jesus movies can be, yeah. but he gave it more of a grit of Bible times. And so I think it did kind of help you pull you into the reality of it, which is what Gibson does. He He's very good at just bringing you into the reality. And I think even as an actor... He's always been good at that. Like, he just gets into character when he's in a movie, too. And so I think that's what helps him be a good director um, is that he can see from that angle of let's bring people into the mind of the person we're following and bring them actually into the situation they're in. I mean, if you saw Apocalypto, it's the same way. It's like, let's really put people into the mind of someone in this time period of this of this of this ancient Mayan world, you know, and, and kind of give you and then to just figure out a way to make 
running through a jungle exciting you know and he just kind yeah. of he just brings this this light to things and he did the same way with this what was interesting about this movie was how it was really two movies yes yes it is it's really two hour long movies maybe almost like a mini series <laughs> <laughs> like a mini series that's just two hours long you know um even though to be to be honest with you i was out this this movie looked interesting, but the trailer uh, kind of, in a way, made it seem like a period piece you'd see on A&E, back when A&E did this, did movies. Yeah, kind of back in their Horatio Hornblower days yeah, or where something. Yeah, it was, you had a love story going on, whereas at the same time, the, the main character was dealing with some conflict, just just kind of like a very overly dramatic movie. And I was like, eh, I'll still give it a chance, but I don't know. That was one fear I had, especially I think it was the first trailer. Yeah. I was I... like, this seems really like melodramatic. Yeah. And where, I was concerned about that. Where you a had people, bit too. you had, uh, sorry, the actress that plays, uh, who eventually becomes Desmond Dawes' wife. Oh, of, uh, Teresa Palmer. Yeah, it's kind of kind of just crying and essentially every scene where she wasn't smiling and looking just radiant and then you had uh andrew garfield's character desmond dodge obviously makes it he ends up in the courtroom just talking very compassionately and i was like i just wasn't sure how to feel about it yeah and then you see it and it's something else entirely well my biggest concern was something that i was i was fascinated to see that was some people's takeaway from the movie still even after they saw it. whereas when i was done seeing it it changed my mind was when you watch the trailer it felt like they they deified desmond dawes yeah like he was just this untouchable pureness or whatever and was this like like floated like an angel <laughs> through everything whereas i feel like once i saw the movie i realized he was still portrayed as a human being. You still saw him. He had his convictions, but you saw him question his convictions at times and doubt himself. And it wasn't. And I think the trailers also kind of made it feel like he like was never angry or things like that, yeah. where you see him fight like an anger that he still had about things and things like that. So I, I just found it refreshing because they didn't deify him. They didn't make this like an old Audie Murphy World War II movie where he's like running is like the hero. And, no, but you still see a, a human being yeah, through the movie. I think one one thing that I didn't expect was Desmond Doss, the character, um, and certainly the man, he was really tough for somebody who didn't carry a gun. There's kind yeah, of a jarring yeah. scene where... Well, we he should actually... go back quick here. So, what his story is 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 uh, he wanted to. He felt it was wrong to just sit on the sidelines while other guys went to war. He still felt that. This is during World War Two. Yeah, this is World War Two. He still felt like okay, it is necessary that we need to stop this evil. But personally, he just had a conviction that he wanted to figure out a way to help in the war effort on the front lines but not take lives. And so he realized how he could do this was to be a combat con my goodness, I can't talk. Combat medic. So he goes, I want to be on the front lines. I want to still be a part of helping there, 
but I want to do it without ever t- even touching a gun. Like he had this thing about he didn't even want to touch it. He just wanted no part of that. And so the problem he was at was you had all the soldiers around him considering him a coward because he didn't wouldn't do this because they're all in this mode where it's like let's go mow down these, you know, Japanese, you know, and things like that. Um except a lot more racist but you know and so they were kind of in the in this mode and so they just viewed him as not wanting to just go and mow down the enemy as being a coward and then he had to fight the military saying no if you're gonna go over as one of our army guys especially in a combat unit you need to have a gun and so um that was kind of the first half of this movie is seeing his kind of upbringing seeing his coming into love with his eventual wife and then him wanting to be in the military in this capacity. And so, yeah, sorry, do you remember where you were? I just wanted to kind of, we needed to, I realized we didn't really set the groundwork. Yeah, we, familiar we kind of just movie. jumped right into this. No, there's there's actually a scene where he gets uh, beaten by his fellow soldiers while he's in boot camp and... Rather than running and tattling on him, he's just kind of like, well, I do sleep pretty hard. And Yeah, there's kind of this moment where they just yank him out of bed and just start kicking and beating him for, well, there's times when they're all punished because of his, of him. Yeah, essentially the army so was... that a little bit going on. The army was trying to drive him out, essentially. Yeah, like, we can't kick you out, but we're going to make you quit. Yeah. It's kind of what was going on. And they gave him extra duty, and obviously they were working him pretty hard. And he took it. I mean, uh, I don't think most men could. Yeah. I mean, he gets smacked around by by another recruit, and you could see the anger in his eyes. He wants to do something, but he doesn't. I mean, I mean, me, I would, I would probably fly well, off the handle. And I thought that that's maybe where why Andrew Garfield was nominated for Best Actor. Because I was like, there's part, you know, I was watching this knowing he was nominated. So I was like, I was trying to figure out, like, what caused him. And I think those were some of the scenes that maybe caused people, like, where you could constantly see in his eyes that he was fighting. He was having an inner battle. There was this inner turmoil where it's like he was, it was, it was, it's really the, the, the man, like the, the flesh fighting what he was standing on is what what he was trying what he was attempting to follow is morally right where it's like like his his flesh was telling him i just want to pound this guy back but he was attempting to fight himself saying but i i just can't that's not that's not what i know is and so and that's where i would say he isn't deified because you're constantly seeing that inner turmoil just in just even just in his eyes, which is where Andrew Garfield not only looked like Desmond Dawes a lot, if you've ever seen a picture of Desmond Dawes, he did resemble him a lot, but also was able to capture that turmoil that I think any person would have. Even someone who is as convicted as he is, you would still fight that turmoil of like, you know, of want versus should. Maybe I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but yeah. And so that was uh, that was interesting because you're right, Dakota. I mean, I don't think I think a lot of us would just say like, "Fine, 
I'll take a gun. I mean, even his his fiance at one point goes, you don't have to shoot it. Just carry it so they don't court-martial you, you know? and Because if he's court-martialed and found guilty, he would go to prison. And so he had to really figure out, am I willing to stand on this to the point of possibly, stand on this conviction to the point of possibly going to prison? <laughs> that's where you start to think, well, that's definitely the point where I think I would buckle. Yeah, I think where it'd be hard for me to stand on on what on my principles, on those principles. But yeah, so you have this whole first part where it's really dealing with him on a personal level, and then all of a sudden you're at Okinawa, <laughs> also known as one of the most intense battles of World War Two. <laughs> Okinawa, this is near. We're coming to what is will eventually be uh, VJ Day. We're coming near the end of the war. It's in the last year of the war. Okinawa is one of the most brutal skirmishes of the entire Pacific theater. Just It was the Japanese, I think, essentially coming to the realization that they were losing. And they put everything into not going down without a last fight. Yeah, they uh, they really really fought pretty hard at Okinawa and one of the main reasons was it was this is actually Japan. Yeah, that's this true. Is, this is J- Japanese owned or r- Yeah. To put this, this is Japan. Yeah. Yeah, to put it in perspective, this would be like if a country landed a force at San Francisco. Yeah. or Oregon. Or even I mean, Puerto Rico. Yeah, this is right on the doorstep. This isn't on the doorstep of Japan. This is you're standing inside the house. And they were determined to not let the U.S. take any more territory. And it was a brutal fight through and through. Um, I was actually surprised they did this. But towards the end of the movie... You actually do see the Japanese commander commit seppuku when he realizes they're losing. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this movie, every time you thought you understood it, it just just threw something new at you. And it kind of just blows your mind a little bit. It really sets the tone. And I don't think at any part in this movie I was bored. It kind of just kept... No, it was always interesting and it was always moving. Yes. But that's who Mel Gibson is. Interesting and always moving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think he wants to bring a movie where it's like, you want to bring... It's what all directors, I think, attempt to do. It's just that I always feel like he's pretty good at hitting it where it's like, I want to bring a movie that I would want to see, but at the same time still tells the story that needs to be told. Yeah. And he got a lot of great performances out of people. Hugo Weaving... Hugo Weaving. Hugo, Hugo Weaving as Desmond Dawes' father in this movie, I thought gave one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. Yeah. I was surprised he wasn't nominated. <laughs> yeah. Because I found him to be very convincing. Yeah. And do a do a tremendous job. For the first time in about oh, probably about ten years you saw Vince Vaughn give a give a pretty compelling performance. Vince Vaughn was pretty good in this. Uh, I think it was distracting because he was Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. But I thought he still did a good job. 
Yeah. I thought he still did a good job. Yeah. Uh, Sam Worthington, just giving a performance you didn't hate, was oh, refreshing. Because <laughs> I don't really like Sam Worthington hardly in anything I've seen him in. He... And, and I thought he was he did a good job as the captain. Yeah, he comes off as kind of scummy, and then towards towards the latter half of the movie, you are you kind of sympathize with him a little bit. He's almost not, not so much scummy. Uh, I felt him more as like... He was the captain just trying to keep control of his group. Yeah. Where it's just like, where, yeah, at first he's just kind of like, you just feel him like, just get out of here. You know, that's what he feels like he's saying to pri- this private Dawes, where it's like, just get out of here, kid, so we can get this done, you know? Yeah. And he just felt like Dawes was kind of this hold up to what he wanted the structure of his, of his, of his unit to be. So, uh, uh, yeah, but I think as far as uh, I want to get into this a little bit, Jodex. I think this is important. Now, the 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 obviously the the center focus of this movie is Desmond Dawes because he's of what he did. Um, but uh, uh, another argument I heard against this movie was he was a man who refused to kill. In the last half of this movie, feels like it totally glorifies killing. Where do you feel? Where do you land on that? Oh man, I wouldn't say it glorified killing. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because it's, uh... I was getting PTSD watching this movie because I felt like it did everything but glorify killing. I think why people feel that way is because he showed it for what it was. Yeah, and not, it's and it's ugly. Not every war film could be like. Um, I'm thinking of the old uh, movie with. Uh, John Wayne on Iwo Jima, where you know someone gets shot, they just like you know fake like yeah, they got they shot, just, and they, they just kind of wiggle their body and yeah, yeah, they do the they do the overly dramatic death scene like oh I've been shot and you know you slowly fall to your knees. It's not like that. Um, it war is actually pretty horrible, and you should know this, but people don't want to be reminded of that. Well, and I think it also gives you a sense of here is Desmond. Willing to run into this hell with no protection, yeah. But a helmet. His helmet was the only thing he really had as protection. He ran into that and um, was willing to put his life on the line very vulnerably because he had no way to give himself any cover fire on his on his own and uh, in attempt to to pull guys out who were who were hurt and injured and. And you just you also um, just see him. You get a you get a sense for when you when they do these when they do the times in his childhood and even into his you know younger younger years growing up. You get a sense of why he he starts to have these convictions of who he was. But I mean, you see him just be stubborn to the point where guys are like, "This guy wasn't worth pulling off," and he's. You know, he, he's probably just going to die. And he just goes, you don't know that. Yeah. You know, you just see him completely adhere to, like, every life should be valued the same. You know, that, that you know, he just feels like everyone out there was worth protecting, you know. And so that's where you do get this sense of, of uh, you know, Desmond Doss reminds me a lot of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, which some of you maybe don't know what that is, but he was a... He was a German pastor who had to fight 
his own convictions on. He was a pacifist. He was a pacifist who was involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Okay, so how does that work? Well, it works because he, well, it, I mean, it kind of works, is that this man battled his own his own ethics and moral standings on trying to understand uh, how you stop evil without necessarily killing and so yeah it's it, it's a messy thing war is just messy yeah and uh and and that and that's what i think this movie does this movie doesn't i don't feel like it glorifies anything about war personally i feel like it it just shows you how horrible <laughs> how horrible it was and you know that these men went through yeah and really that uh the reason that this story is told is because Des- Desmond Dawes' story is one of the glimmers of light that happens in the midst of this, this terribleness in that, um, you know, he, this isn't, I mean, this is why this movie was made is that he was this conscientious objector, which means he, he went in gunless, but won a medal of honor <laughs> because of what he did, you know, in this, in this battle. And so, you know, this is getting told because in the midst of all of this terribleness, you have this this uh, incredible story, you know, of, of who this guy was. And so I, I, I found this movie to be very well made. And, and I think maybe if – I think some people – I had heard some other kind of rumble, you know, rumblings of how it was kind of like cheesy – Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I think maybe you could feel that in the first half, but I think it's only because of the time period it was. It's like I don't think it was cheesy. I just feel like uh he was telling a period piece love story and I think people were just less sarcastic in the 1940s. I think people now we just get so we're so kind of sarcastic and jaded in a lot of ways. Well, people in in the movie themselves kind of find Desmond Dawes a little unbelievable. Well, and he was. I mean, a lot. I mean, I mean, not only does he already have all these things, but here in the midst of the war, you find out he's also a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. Where one guy goes, "Aren't you going to eat your food?" and he goes, "I'm a vegetarian." And the guy goes, "Of course you are." You know, he just says it like that because it's like, you know, if Desmond isn't ridiculous enough of a person, here he doesn't even eat meat. You know, and so and that's true too. He he was actually a vegetarian. Um, it's just he's just one of those guys where yeah even even in his time he was like who the heck are you you know and so it it is kind of interesting but I guess I never really felt any moment of this movie was cheesy per se. No, I think people just I don't know. I think people just view things kind of their their view is so just askew they can't really. They can't really take things at face value. It's like, oh man, that's too cheesy. That's too corny. I'm sure it didn't happen like that. You know, kind of just one of those. Yeah. But yeah. So overall, anything else about? I guess we kind of talked about acting. Um, visually, this movie was. Uh, I thought Mel Gibson, the way he shot the two aspects of this movie the the 1940s American 1930s and 1940s Americana. And the way he shot 
World War II Okinawa, I I don't know. I I I found it very well. I mean, I I thought all that was executed well too. I mean, even beyond, I thought most of the acting was pretty well. I don't know anything. What what would you say your biggest? What do you think the biggest flaw of this movie was, Dakota? Oh, flaws, huh? Um, I don't know. The only flaw I'd really say is in the beginning, the movie kind of kind of draws itself out a little too long. Okay. Um, I I feel like like you feel like. Like they were some of his younger life could have yeah. been yeah like they were they were trying to pad the runtime there's a scene in this movie where he's uh desmond Dawes is cleaning like windows in the church it's like well why don't you just start the movie off like that mm, okay, yeah i see what you're saying yeah but yeah yeah they they in a way they could have you're right yep but that would have that would have meant we would have missed out on some more hugo weaving and I oddly well, enough I think, thought I think, he should have been in this movie a little more. I think some of that childhood they felt was important because there was a few childhood moments that really set up why Desmond became who he was. Yeah. Um, I guess my biggest flaw was I feel like maybe the character development of other people besides Desmond was lacking at times where it's like I felt like there were certain people I, I wish I could have known better just in there and who they were, you know, like – um, Desmond was the only one I feel like was really fleshed out in this movie and everyone else, you kind of just knew one or two things about them. Um, but at the same time, you still knew and understood what you needed to know and understand. But, uh, there was just a little bit of that, that I felt like where it's like, oh, I wish I kind of understood them a little better, but, uh, but maybe that was just maybe some of that was there was uh, the makers of this movie, whether it's producers or Gibson himself, was like, "Well, let's just we need to focus on this," and I think the audience is smart enough to maybe fill in some of those gaps, and maybe that's kind of kind of the the thinking they took on some of that aspect. But but uh, I guess that would be like my biggest flaw is like I just wish certain people were a little more fleshed out a little bit which is like almost the opposite of what yours was where you're like <laughs> cut it down but uh but i feel like maybe you could those two things could still work together in a sense but that's kind of where i was so on a grading scale we'll use the 8f grading scale dakota where would you rank this movie in terms oh of grade? man i think i'm gonna go with a minus okay a minus um yeah as far as where I would put it, um, I think I'm kind of in that same realm where I would I would give it a I would give it a, a minus, just because it it isn't it isn't perfect, but at the same time I think it still tells um, the story it meant to tell and did a did a good job within within that you you understood Desmond Dawes really well, which is what the movie was doing, and I think. Mel Gibson really showed you just that story within the terrible situation he went into and how uh how he was just used how he was used in that terrible terrible place to um end up being someone who <laughs> saved people who saved people out of out of where they could have really just bled to death um, in that place and, or whatever. And so 
um, it was cool to see that story put to the screen and done done pretty well. Um, done done very well in that way. So, anything else on Hacksaw Ridge, Dakota? No, I think we covered about everything. Yeah, I guess my disclaimer would be it's a very well done um, biopic. Unfortunately, it's not for everyone just because uh, it isn't an easy watch. Especially the last half of this movie. It isn't an easy watch, but again, it just shows you the reality of of what that was and, and how it is amazing um, that anyone lived. <laughs> Honestly, it's amazing. And if you don't, if it's not amazing enough for how many guys he rescued, there's even one other amazing thing he did <laughs> that still blows my mind, that I almost find more incredible. Like, here he got all these guys off the ridge, and then he still had another amazing thing he did. But I want to leave it like that because when it gets to that, it's just like, oh, my gosh. It's like it's just crazy the things that this man did and how he was so humble into his – I mean, nobody even really – I mean, he got the Medal of Honor from Truman, like clap, 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 yay. But nobody even really knew his story for many years because he just went back to work and just was quiet. He was just yeah. a quiet, humble guy. He just didn't really think much of what he did. And uh, Hollywood was desperate back in the day to get a movie made where they really tried to woo him. And he's like, eh, I, he just didn't want to. And and uh, not until he did, they did a do- they did a documentary where they interviewed him where he finally started to be open. Like, okay, <laughs> you know. But then he did pass away in 2006 during the time of when they were working on getting this this made um but uh his son kind of helped keep the the family aspect of the making of this movie going so but yeah definitely worth the watch if you're able to handle the carnage of war (laughs) so yeah kudos to mel gibson for uh, quite a comeback movie it's been 10 years since he's done a movie and uh he didn't really miss a step um, in that 10 years. So, but yeah, with that, we'll bring this episode to an end. Um, we hope you're following us on the social media places and subscribing to us in all those places uh, on, on uh, YouTube and iTunes. Um, just you're aware of the newest developments with us and uh, checking that stuff out. So, you know, something we don't get anymore. What's that? And it kind of bothers me. Why don't we get people asking us to do reviews? Yeah, it's been we a while. A it's been a while. You know, back back a while, there were some people asking us to do some reviews. But it's been a while since we've had um, any, you know, direct suggestions. I guess I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um, I guess. But but yeah, if, you, if there's something you want to see, I mean, even if it's an older film, which is what we did get asked a lot. When we first started doing this, yeah, we'll attempt to uh, to do what we can. Yeah, even if it's not a new release, we like going back and revisiting. We've done that a few times, revisiting some older movies, or in like our lists move lists episodes we've done. You know, we'll bring up some older movies, and older can mean whatever you want it to mean: nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, fifties, forties, thirties, twenties, teens. <laughs> movies go back to the teens, people. But yeah, so. Feel free to do any of that or all of that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 
But yeah, with that, we'll end this one. So this is Steven. And this is Dakota. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.